Hi, we're Ash and Steph Porter, a young married couple from the UK. We're on a journey exploring how to become the best leaders we can be. In order to share that with you, we've started this podcast so that you can join us on this journey. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to episode five of Learning to Lead. Um, We're so excited to have you with us today, uh, whenever you're listening to this. And we're really excited about today's episode because it's a little bit different to our previous ones so far. And so today we are going to be looking at um, some topics that viewers or listeners, not viewers, listeners, you kind people, have sent in to us via Instagram. A while ago, Steph did a bit of a, uh, like a question thing on Instagram. I don't know how it works. She does. And we have some really good topics to talk about. And so we're really excited for that. But if you haven't already, before we get going, we already have four episodes out. Our previous episode was a really, really important and significant one. We had a chat with our friend Ashton all about racism Um, and basically how to overcome it in leadership and what a godly leader should look like when dealing with that. So if you haven't listened, go back, check it out. But today we're in for an absolute cracker, I hope. And so this first topic, um, this kind of statement, question that someone sent in, they said this, they said, I'd love to hear about how being under 25 affects how you might lead and if it does. Whoever sent this in, well, we know, but we're not going to say, but banging question. This is so important, especially as young leaders, don't you think, Steph? It's something that we need to discuss. And so I guess, Steph, kick us off. What do you think? Um, Well, hello, everyone. Um, Yeah, I definitely think being under 25 affects my leadership. I think um, ultimately it's makes me feel like I have less authority um, being young and definitely being a young woman um, within the church can often um, feel like you have less authority um, as a leader. But I think ultimately the way it affects me is this tension of um, balancing the... On one hand, it's like you're young, you can make mistakes, you've got room to grow... Um, and people are wanting you to make those mistakes um, and you have this acceptance of um, now's the time kind of thing mm. I think you never stop making mistakes but it almost feels like when you're young it's kind of like now's the time to be making mistakes but on the flip side of that it's the and where this is where the tension comes in it's like for me there's almost this overarching message of like if I make mistakes now then I'm not going to be taken any further or I'm not going to um like be invested in yeah be invested in more because people will see me and they'll think oh she did this she made that mistake so why would um why would she kind of grow as a leader and I think both of those are um valid feelings but I definitely think um, there are a lot of what I tell myself rather than what's um, actually portrayed onto me by my leaders mm. who are kind of nurturing me. And but so I think yeah, a lot of it is this inner narrative of the tension between I can make mistakes and I can't. Um, but I think ultimately, being under twenty-five, you're always in a position of learning. Um, but I w- and where I see this affect me as an under 25 is that um, it often makes me less confident to actually step up and lead. 
Mm. So um, my um, the person who I work with called Tom, he is an incredible leader and mentor um, and has grown, you know, grown me into a lot of who I am now, um, especially as a worship leader. Um, but I think that um, it would be often that I would feel my position is to learn from him and to kind of like be his second um, in order to... Um, to grow and just to be kind of soaking in absorbing all his wisdom all his experience mm. but then in those moments where I I am lifted by him to kind of take that position of leadership um I it's hard I think as a young leader to to accept and to like put yourself in that position and you and it's okay for us to to think okay today like I'm taking the lead and Tom will be there if I fall, but ultimately he's giving me authority. Mm. I think that's a really hard thing to do um, as a young leader, to accept that um, and to allow yourself to practice being in authority and practice taking the leadership role. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there there seems to be all this tension being a young leader. Mm. But I ultimately think... I'm so grateful to be a, a be a leader under 25. Yeah. And I think every single under 25 is a leader. Just like we said in the first episode, we are all leaders, no matter what sector of work we're in, no matter what season of life we're in, we are have an ability to lead um, and be a leader. Um, so when I see the ways in which I'm coming forward as a leader, as a 22-year-old at the moment, I'm grateful for the opportunities mm. that I've had because the opportunities that I've had have, have primarily been over 25s taking a risk on me. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a hard one because a lot of it is to do with, it's not actually to do with the practical part of being a young leader and not the way other people is overcoming that personal battle of mm. insecurity and um, just not feeling sure about yourself and yeah because of your age and I can definitely relate to that I've definitely um, struggled even though I'm nearly 25 not quite there yet I don't know maybe when I hit 25 I'll suddenly feel like I can lead mm. um, who knows but yeah and that insecurity of feeling can I really lead people who are older than me or even mm. people who are the same age as me I think mm. that's really hard um, but I think a lot of it is due, 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 a lot of it has to do with overcoming that insecurity um, and getting, yeah, and believing in yourself and believing that people have chosen you for a reason mm. and they've put you in positions of leadership for a reason. So mm. you've got what it takes. But I think as well for me, I think one of the biggest um, uh, ways it affects my leadership is I know how I feel when I'm feeling insecure about my age and about my leadership. And so it's made me recently reflect on how am I treating those younger than me that are in leadership, those who might actually somehow look up to me mm. and see me as someone who's older and more intimidating and more experienced or whatever. I don't know how people can do that, but they there will be people like that. Um, 
and how how am I treating them? Firstly, I know that when I see someone younger than me really killing it, really doing well, like especially when you think about youth work, like you're so happy for them. And mm-hmm. so I, I think part of it is trying to remember, oh, you know what? There's actually going to be people who are feeling that for me yeah. when they see me leading and doing well and thriving. Yeah. There's going to be people who are, you know, feeling happy for me. And so you've got to remember that as well. But you've also got to hold on to, you know, how do you want to be treated? So then you've got to treat those younger than you like that as well so you know um Mm. if you're being led by someone like for me I'm 24 if I'm being led by someone who's 20 around some event or in church or whatever in life who cares like I've got to respect them and know that actually they're worthy of my respect and I've got to like be under their authority when they're in that leadership Mm. position because you can't expect one thing for yourself and one thing for other people. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you can then do that, I think then that insecurity in yourself is going to lessen because you know that's the way to treat people and you'll hopefully try and see the best in other people treating you that way. Mm-hmm. But it is hard though. And I think it's definitely one of the biggest barriers because I don't know, in the church, it's so easy for people to say, oh, you know, don't let age stop you or define you. Or they always go to like Timothy and talk about young leadership and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, it doesn't always... Do you want to just explain what you mean by Timothy? The but book of Timothy is basically... Who's not a Christian. Timothy was a young leader in the church. Um, he was invested in by a guy called Paul. And um, yeah, and he basically this is the book of timothy is a letter written by paul to him basically encouraging him in his leadership and um with a lot of leadership lessons for him and one of the key parts that he says don't let age basically hold you back Mm. um so in the church it's really common to pass that around but what i was saying was it's really hard practically to always see that because you know as a young leader you don't always get the opportunities you want Mm. and so you've got to take that on the chin and know it may not be because of your age you may just not be ready yet Mm. um so it's like yeah like you said there's that holding that tension of believing in yourself and knowing that others believe in you but then also accepting you know what maybe there are will be people more experienced than me or maybe I won't be ready Mm. for stuff yet but it's a really hard one I think we've also got this idea that the older you are the more experience you have Mm. but that's putting experience into a box and kind of squashing it to this this like idea that the older you are means the the more life experience you've had but actually if we're looking at leadership within within the church also within secular spaces actually um you need to think about experience in terms of the specific experience Mm. and actually you're two years older than me but i've had more experience um being a dancer than you I don't know. I'm pretty good at dancing. No, okay. Well, t- you can dance. I can dance. Right. <laughs> Whatever. The thing is, though, like that is, that's primarily talent that you're talking about there. What my raw talent? <laughs> can everyone just hear that but, and acknowledge no, that? No, we're talking. That is talking about the idea of talent. I'm better at this than you. Mm. But the idea of experiences, I've delved more into this topic. Yeah. I've spent more time looking at this, practicing it, being taught about it, teaching it, like all of those comes into experience. I agree with that, yeah. So I've had more experience of dance than you, Mm. but you like to say that you're more talented at dance than me. 
I've never said that in my life. You, you just, just said, said that it about now. Two minutes anyway, ago. but I get your point. So you're saying in that sense, you are more um, probably ready to step into a leadership role within dancing than me because of that experience, despite the fact you're younger. Yeah. And despite the fact I may in your eyes be more talented than you because of your experience and hard I've work seen you dance while even, we do at, the washing up. even at the young age you yeah and that's so true and that's such a great great analogy because mm. I think when we look at that in terms of being under 25 it's really easy to cap yourself off and think oh well the people who are older than me have had more experience yeah but actually you might be going into a, a youth work role at the age of 27 and you know you feel like you're young going into it but actually there could there could be older people who seem like they're more advanced but actually they have spent less time in Mm. doing youth work that and that's just a quick example of where we assume that age means experience Mm. And it's about accepting and acknowledging God's calling on our own lives and for you who aren't Christian, like thinking about what the purpose of your life is. Actually, that is that is where you bring experience into it, not not defining yourself against someone else. Amen. Great. Amen. Should we go into the next? Yeah, the second one. So um, this person... Viewer number two. No, I keep saying viewer. Listener number no two. No one's watching us. I know. Um, how to lead without seeming controlling. Mm. Oh, this is a hard one. This is really because, hard. Because, you know, we're learning. We're not masters of leadership. Masters. We're masters. We're not masters of leading. And so we haven't nailed this, but we thought we could share a little bit of what we think and what we're trying to do. Um, and what we try to do when leading. Mm. Yeah, I think this, like Ash just said, this is a really hard topic. And I think this, going back to the whole experience thing, this is probably something that we haven't experienced a lot, being young leaders. No. So actually, we're probably, for me, I'm going into this question thinking, in what circumstances have I felt controlled? Mm. And in what circumstances have I felt led yeah um and actually i think ultimately it comes down to the i think authority comes up so much in leadership i hadn't quite realized it but with you know obviously learning (laughs) um but this whole idea of authority and i think to be controlled is to have your authority taken away from you but to be led is to be given an element of authority um and trusted with it almost like similar word but like empowered as well they yeah. come hand in hand yeah. don't they yeah that's great yeah, yeah. authority and yeah, empowerment no, that, that's really helpful um but i think a, a leader who doesn't control is a leader who shares their authority and what i what i don't mean is we've said this before what i don't mean is the ceo of a company giving every single person an equal voice in their company and um equal responsibility because actually the um the system of leadership in that way would would suffer yeah um but i think it's if you're looking at that example that it's about the ceo of a company understanding that they have humans in their team not robots yeah and their humans have emotions have opinions have 
um, ideas, dreams, ambitions, creativity that needs to be expressed. And mm. I think a leader who doesn't control is a leader who enables their team to be all of those things yeah. in, in, in its fullness and is able to be emotive, be creative, um, be strategic. Mm. And those are three things that I think not all of us, like I'm not very strategic, but I'm very emotive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and bringing out those elements of each other. Yeah. So I think empowerment is the perfect word because it's like a leader who doesn't control sees someone working in the finance department and empowers them to do their job yeah. um, and empowers them to, to take the responsibility of their own department mm. and to run with ideas without having to constantly go back and check them, yeah. without having to constantly go back to fill the CEO in. Yeah. Like I, I think it's important that the CEO knows what's going on. Um, which ha would happen in a me in meetings, but ultimately that person in the finance department feels that freedom of like mm. I'm excelling in my role. Yeah. Um, because I think if you control, then you 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 dampen someone's yeah. ability to progress. Yeah, and just to clarify as well, I think when we say control or the way we're answering this person's question, we're not saying that a leader shouldn't have control. They mm. shouldn't be leading and forming and um, steering in the right direction and keeping the vision and those kind of things. Yeah. However, what we're interpreting this is having too much control uh, yeah. where you're not sharing, like Steph said, is the power. You're not sharing responsibility and you're not empowering people. And actually, you know, the simple answer to this question is, is how do you lead about um, seeming controlling is you give away some of that control. So like mm. Steph said, you raise people up to do jobs. And as a leader, you raise people up to do your job better than you. Mm. Like that's the ultimate yeah. way of empowering and yeah. losing control. And on the back of that, I think just in a snapshot, this question is... The, it's just the different what's the difference between having control and being controlling because mm. i think they're two very different things and a, like you said a leader should have control like like you, i mean you summed it up perfectly but a leader should be should have control um but a leader shouldn't be controlling yeah and i think it's you should you should have control over your over your company but you shouldn't be controlling to your staff mm. so it's like a the 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 driver of a boat do you call them drivers i don't Let's even just know go with that. <laughs> the driver of a boat would steer the whole ship in in one direction mm. but so they would be steering but they wouldn't be controlling the people who are doing the other jobs on the boat. Yeah. I've started this analogy, right? I realize I know nothing about sailing <laughs> or about So if you if you if you're listening and you're like a boat like enthusiast, enthusiast and I'm, I'm extremely sorry. <laughs> but I do I have I kind of just got this picture of like someone who's st who's steering. Yeah. 
but there's a lot of other responsibilities. Yeah. So let's go to an old-fashioned boat. Maybe let's imagine pirates, and you're going to have people rowing. You're going to have people taking the sail down and putting it up. Yes. The people like um, much better throwing water overboard in buckets. The people yeah. like cleaning the deck, providing yeah. food, yeah. and he's empowered them and trust them all to do their jobs while he stays at the helm steering the boat yeah there you go because the guy steering the boat can't be walking around Mm. telling people what to do he's got to trust them to do and if you think the a boat the the captain is it captain captain yeah i said captain you said captive (laughs) no i don't know i said captain the person who's steering has to keep their eyes forwards yeah and has to keep their focus on the journey ahead. Yeah. Whereas the people, like you just said, bringing up and down the sail or whatever, will be focused on their task within the whole picture. Yeah. And the captain, the person who's steering, this captain, the you captain, can say can't be constantly looking around to yeah. check that his team are doing what they're they're meant to be doing. He has to keep his eyes focused. And the way he does that, which we've kind of touched on, but not fully expanded is he trusts his Mm, team he trusts the rest of his sailors and boat and so I think that's it key isn't it it's a way to not be controlling Mm. is to trust your team and that trust is empowering that trust is powerful that trust is freeing Mm. and ultimately that trust is gonna um, help people grow and thrive and help you to lead and control where you are going so yeah how to lead without seeming controlling. I reckon that's what we try and do, what we try to do, and what, yeah, we're going to try and do in the future. Um, Can I just say one last thing? Yes, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just quickly wanted to mention as well, I think there is a difference between encouraging behaviour and determining it. Because if you you determine behaviour, you don't allow your team, your staff, to make mistakes. And if you encourage behaviour, you're, you're enabling your team to, to be their own person and to, to grow by making those mistakes. You come out with such gems out of nowhere sometimes. I can see it formulating as we speak. <laughs> that is, write that down if you're listening. Say it again, what's the phrase? It's basically just... Don't encourage, be- don't no. determine behaviour, encourage it. Because mm. oh, I think there is, a beauty, so there is a beauty in that and allowing your, um, your team to like develop as a person. I don't yeah. think that can happen if you determine their behaviour. No. I think it can only happen if you encourage it and you walk alongside them as they grow. Boom. End of section two. <laughs> right, let's go on to our third and final um, section, which is so important kind of links in with these other two Mm. um but it's i mean it's i would say we've done other episodes on the foundation of leadership or what we think it is and that was servant heartedness Mm. and i think this goes hand in hand with that and so um someone just simply asked how do we stay humble Mm -hmm. in leadership um shall i go first yeah do great 
So uh, for this bit, I just want to share a bit of a personal story um, for my journey with humility and leadership. And so um, for about just just under four years ago, it's nearly been four years since I moved to Watford. I moved away from home. I moved to Watford. I came here to do like a leadership training gap year thing. And coming into the year, looking back now, I would say I was pretty arrogant. I wasn't very humble. I was pretty messed up in other ways. So somehow I had uh, pretty low self-esteem, despite the fact I was arrogant and not very humble. Um, And so it's just a weird contrast. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't quite understand humility. And I'm not sure I completely valued it um, within leadership. And I didn't see the necessity of it. Um, And then I moved to Watford and I got taught about it and I saw it modelled really well in, in some people and it completely changed my perspective on it. Like there was one guy and um, I don't know if he listens, but this guy who uh, models humility really well, it's this guy called Joe Bright. He's now like a worship leader at a church in Preston. And um, when I moved to Watford, he was one of the people that stood out to me most because of just how humble he was. And the what stood out was firstly the way he would serve. I mean, he was part of the worship staff team, um, but he'd also serve in the youth team, um, in our older youth, and that's how I got to know him a bit more because I wasn't musical, so I wasn't in the worship team. Um, but And I just saw the way he served, and he was always so kind and so gentle, um, and he worked so hard, and it was just so inspiring to me. And I think it was like I'd seen humility, but I don't think I'd quite seen it in that way, in that servant-heartedness, which, like you said, is the foundation. It goes hand in hand with humility and that ability um, to, yeah, to just to be humble, to not be so full of himself and to um, be under other people's authority and positions. And it just changed my perspective on it totally. And so I've been on this journey, basically, for the last four years, like discovering what is humility um, and how can I be humble? And, you know, it's quite hard because I would say I'm still in that battle where sometimes I feel like I'm a bit arrogant, I'm a bit big-headed. But then the other times I'm like, um, I have no self-esteem about myself. And, you know, being humble isn't either of those things. It's like the healthy bit in between where you are confident in your own abilities and you know what you offer, but then you're not like so big headed, you let it get carried away. And it's not humility, you know, isn't putting yourself down. So that's like false humility, putting yourself down about what you bring on who you are and what you can offer. But actually, yeah, it's just knowing that. And so that's been my journey and it's hard and it's not easy. And and the hardest thing I think about humility is it's like one of those situations where will you ever know if you're humble? Because surely the moment you start thinking you're humble, mm. you're not because that's the problem with it. And so humility is only something really that can be called out in you by someone else. Mm. And you just have to be like, thanks and try to carry on living in that way and not letting it mm. get to you. But that's my journey and it's pretty hard. And I'm sure... Um, many of you could relate to that as mm. well yeah that's really cool um I I think just going off the back of what you said I think you summed it up really well oh, humility is confidence and contentment oh, and <laughs> you said it I, did I well you just you said it kind of and I yeah just but you said it better it. <laughs> I, I just summarized it but you you said all the gold I just summarized it but I think that is what humility 
ultimately is. It's like you said, humility is the confidence in who you are and who, for us as Christians, who God made us to be. Um, it is confidence in our ability and in confidence in um, our kind of like ability to grow from where we are now. But I also think it's the contentment that we... Um, I'm struggling for the words for this because it's about saying it right, but the confidence of who you are but the and the contentment that if no one ever knew you, you'd still be happy. Like if no one ever saw your work, mm. if no one ever saw your... your I don't, I don't, I'm trying to find another word, but it's basically yeah, it. Yeah, saw no, your work. If no one ever saw your work, what you'd achieved, would you be happy? And I think that is where the contentment that comes into humility yeah. really arrives is would I would I be content for no one to ever hear my songs? Yeah. For no one to ever read my Bible studies. For no one to listen to this podcast. No one to ever listen to this podcast. Um would I still have that inner happiness? Mm. And I think that is humility. And mm. I think just um understanding those two elements confidence and contentment mm. will will get you to a healthy place of um of feeling like you found that middle ground um but also have an analogy that um Brooke Lidgetwood who is um she works for a church called Hillsong and um, she's the global worship leader or something like that but she's she talks about this analogy of um, and this this can be um, if you if you aren't a Christian then this can um, resonate with you as well. But if you imagine that a compliment you receive is like a flower um, given to you, and maybe on that particular day you receive a few of those flowers. Actually, humility is at the end of the day giving away that bouquet, and for us, that bouquet is given to God and given over to him because we believe that he deserves the glory of everything mm. that we do that we are for you who if you're listening and you're not a christian that might be um you know you can decide what you'd give that bouquet over to um so that's completely up to you but just this analogy really struck me of like it's okay to accept the compliment that is like the first step Mm. of humility in the in this circumstance is actually it's okay you can be humble and accept compliments 100% I think we think that humility is deflecting compliments yeah so if you if if I was to pitch a great sale and one of my colleagues was to come over to me at the end and say that was so good like you articulated that so well mm. feel like the the investors are on board um Actually, I I can be humble and still say thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. And allow that to empower me. Yeah. Um, and encourage me. But it's what I then do with that compliment. That that's number two. So number one is accept. But number two is is like the kind of the landing point. Where do I where do I now project that compliment? And there, I think there are numerous ways to do that. I think. The, the not so humble ways to let that grow your ego 
yeah um become big-headed about who you are um but i think there are many ways to do this well and obviously ultimately from what um brooke lejewood was saying is to give over that bouquet to god um if you know as christians that's what we would kind of want to do but there are other ways um that i think this this shows as well and it's it's encouraging other people and and encouraging others to accept compliments as well mm-hmm. um and because when i when i encourage someone else especially for something that i that i am jealous of there is something about my confidence and my contentment that grows mm. and it kind of humbles you to put your pride mm. down and to compliment someone doesn't it yeah yeah um so yeah i think that that is a, a real really healthy way to accept a compliment because mm. like i said we often think if you say thank you to someone telling you you've done well then you're not humble yeah but that that isn't true yeah that's so good and i think um, this is going back a little bit, but it's something I was just thinking about as well to do with uh, staying humble is, I think one of the biggest problems we have in our world now is this phrase that I'm not claiming I coined it. I de- I'm probably heard it somewhere else, but I haven't really heard anyone else say it. But it's, I'd say it's called like superhero syndrome. And what I describe that as is we've grown up in this um, media-infused world where we see these incredible people whether it's real life celebrities, those one in a billion people who have done amazing things and have incredible talents and yeah, just soared or whether it's in films and we literally see superheroes, these incredible yeah, human beings with amazing powers who just somehow fight evil and conquer the world in a good way. And I think we can get caught up in that as individuals and whether we're Christians and whether we're not, we can get caught up in this idea that... Um, we, this fantasy of you know what I'm one in seven billion and we are don't get me wrong you are one in seven billion you are special and unique however I'm saying the reality is there's always going to be someone better than you you're not a superhero you can't win this fight by yourself you aren't um the best in the world well you might be if you're like an elite sportsman or something <laughs> I don't know but do you get the point I'm saying I think like for me I know I've been so guilty at times of getting caught up in this narrative of saying why am I not so special why am I not doing this I'm surely I've got something special in me and I have but I'm not a superhero I'm not going to be picked out of a crowd randomly and lifted up and elevated that's not the way real life works and i think it can so that can so distort our egos and our understandings and a part of humility is accepting that that just isn't the reality that you aren't that that we aren't this amazing unique super person individual um like in a film actually we're just an ordinary human being who has a short lifespan on earth however that one ordinary human being can make a big difference and have an amazing life mm. on the, in this time. And like Steph said, it then comes back to a place of, are you content? Are you um, yeah, mm. willing to just say, you know what, I'm happy with who I am and that, that I will be better than some people at some things and I will excel in some things, but there are other things even the things I excel at where pe- there will be people better than me and that's okay. Mm. And actually I'm willing to put my pride down. I'm willing to serve and to be 
um, and to do jobs that other people wouldn't do for mm. the sake of the team, for the sake of uh, your friends, for your family, for your organization, for the world. Um, can you put down that mantle of I'm special to say, you know, what well, actually we are, we are special mm. and f- and do something with that. Mm. Yeah, that's all I would have to say. Yeah. Humility is seeing value in yourself and value in other people. Mm. And not getting lost in either one. Amen. So there we have it. Um, we've answered three topics about leadership. We've talked about being a young leader and being under 25. We've talked about um, or what we thought and how maybe you can lead without being controlling. Um, and then finally, we've talked about what's humility and how do you try and stay humble and the both sides of it and um, we really hope you enjoy this episode um check out our previous ones again like i said if you haven't already and we will see you or speak to you in two weeks time see ya bye